Welcome back to Fears of a No-Name Blank. My name is Virginia. I'm an actor based in Atlanta, Georgia. In this bi-weekly podcast, I sit down with undiscovered actors, film and television industry folks, and other creatives to chat about their fears in business and life in general. The goal is not to solve the fears or try to motivate away from them, but just bring these fears to light. After all, we're all human. Here's yet another East Atlanta artist. This week, I had a wonderful conversation with my neighbor and friend, the very talented Dan Triandaflo. Dan has a long career as an Atlanta actor, and while he may not be a household name, I have a feeling you probably have seen him on your favorite show or movie. Dan opens up about his unorthodox path into acting and his future hopes. Okay. Hello, everyone. I am here today with um, two doggos named Peyton and Griffin, and they're human, Dan Triandaflo, who is an actor here in Atlanta. He's been here for more than 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might know him as Benji on Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell, which is on Adult Swim. Um, or maybe you've seen him in things like Stranger Things or I, Tanya, or Anchorman 2. Um, Dan, will you please tell us a little bit more about yourself than I just I blurted th- out just then? I thought you'd never ask. Um, <laughs> usually people don't want to know anything about me. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm originally, I was born in Long Island. I lived in upstate New York, uh, Buffalo, Rochester, Albany. Moved down here a little after the Olympics in the fall of 96. Is it the Olympics that brought you here? You're like, man, I want to be in an Olympic city. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) I was this close to being in the javelin. Uh, No, I was basically, I wanted to go to a place where it was more non-union theater Mm. because I was not an acting kid. Um, I did it towards later in life and I went to college and most of my friends, I did a summer stock show and most of them were all going to NYU and down to New York. Um, I went to SUNY Albany and we had a great group of actors there. Um, and, um, it, you guys can't see this, but my dog is harassing Virginia for kisses and petting. And now the other ones come. So you start with one. Now they're both going to come after you. Um, so yeah, I moved down here in the fall of 96, started just auditioning, picking up every theater job I could. Uh, eventually that led to me getting an agent, a couple really bad ones, of course. who I think maybe were scamming me or oh. trying to scam me. I luckily, I didn't lose any money, but I don't know if they're even around today. Um, then I got a good agent and then that agent merged with uh, a bigger agency. And then once you first get a couple books, I think the first thing I booked was a commercial. I remember I got my first George Alotta commercial and that seemed to mean them started them sending me out more frequently. Uh-huh. Um, and I just eventually became an equity actor. Uh, I got into improv down here for a relationship uh, with an improv theater was uh, in and out of there for 20 years, but, uh, uh, that's about it. And then, um, I was intending to go back to New York originally, um, and talked about it, but I met Mary who is my, uh, is Henry's mom. Henry is my son had a child and decided to get a house. And I realized I was going to be operating out of here for a while. Cause, uh, when you have a kid, you should hang around. Um, <laughs> yes. I think that's one of the commandments, but, uh, no, it was great and moved to East Atlanta. And this is where I met you because Yay! you guys moved here like what? Five years ago. Five years ago. Yeah. Yep, East Atlanta is where it's up. It um, so you said you were not a theater kid. No. Growing up. So where did the like acting bug come from? That is a great question. I know that as a kid, um, I was one of five kids and I was kind of shy. Me too. I was one of five kids. Not shy. No, I (laughs) I cannot imagine that. You're so assertive. And uh, yeah, I was shy. And I realized like I was good at mimicking people and I would do it and it would make my relatives and everyone laugh. It was like my way of kind of getting some focus. Um, I was just very good at picking up on people's voices and mannerisms, even, you know, on television or anything. And, uh, I did a, I think I did like a Christmas play in elementary school, you know. But it didn't bite you. You like, no. And then a guy who in high school at Greece Olympia High School, um, yes, that's part of Rochester, Greece. Um, Every, all the high schools are like Arcadia, Olympia. Of course. Yeah. And um, 
Eric, I forget his name. He was the Val Victorian of the class ahead of me. And he said, I said, do you have any advice? You know, cause I'm going to be applying for colleges. And he said, he goes, do a play because they wanted you to be, to be able to get up in front of people and perform. That's a good thing. Like do these clubs, you know, I was like, okay. So my junior year I dedicated to it. And I did two plays. Uh, first was the music man. And the second was the crucible. Oh. Yeah. And I really didn't, you know, I didn't, I just did the best I could. <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> what I was doing, <laughs> but I had so much fun doing it. Um, and then I decided to do the next one uh, in the fall. And then they did a musical and I'm not much of a singer. Uh, even though I did the music man, I was the mayor. So I didn't have any singing parts solos. <laughs> nice. So I tried and I wasn't very good at it. So I kind of drifted away from it. And in college, I was working my way through college. So I didn't have time to like, they rehearse five nights a week for their show. So yeah. I took a couple acting classes the first couple of years, but I didn't audition for anything until I think the end of my junior year. Um, and I believe uh, I went up on my monologue because I had never done it in front of the faculty. And uh, I was like, I, I was so embarrassed. Um, but someone liked me and put me in their graduate graduate uh, their graduate project. Yeah, sure. Uh, and they had known about me from an acting teacher there. And I I guess I did well enough. Uh, I was butterflies are free. Uh, <laughs> feel free to stop me at any no, time if there's no. too much detail. Please, no, I'm loving it. Uh, and I played a blind guy. And apparently, because no one in the department knew me, really no one, um, they were like, is that guy actually blind? And I was so <laughs> flattered. It. It's exactly what an actor wants to exactly. hear. It's like, yes. And uh, and I just used this method I had read about. Uh, and so after that, I said, you know what? It's my senior year. I'm going to audition for a play and I'm going to get it right. And it was my, it was uh, a woman I'd taken theater history from, Frida Scott Giles, who, Frida Giles. Um, uh, and she actually came down to UGA, taught in Georgia. So... I auditioned for this, uh, I think, In God's Country, which is about white supremacy. Mm. Um, and I did it and I got nominated to go to the Erdas, or not Erdas, the Irene Ryan competitions by someone who was in the audience. Oh, wow. So then I did the next play and then I did a special project with four other actors who were really great actors who wanted me to do it, which was, again, an honor. Like, some people, like, were weary of me because... Um, I should it's wary. I should say wary. I gotta hit the hour. <laughs> wary, wary, whatever. Yeah. It's the same word. Because I wasn't in their classes and I wasn't a drama person. Uh -huh. But like eventually those people were won over because I just went there and I did my job and I didn't say much and I didn't uh -huh. talk about acting a lot. Um, but even my friend Dion Flynn, who uh, is a uh, who was on who ended up being on Your Pretty Face twenty years later, um, he's probably best known. He did work on Jimmy Fallon. He does a oh, okay. great Obama impression. Oh, fantastic! Um, he even said to me, he's like, you know, you always kind of were dipping your toe, but you were never all the way in with acting. I'm like, you know, he's absolutely right. I was never. So totally... what were you studying at school if it wasn't? Because it sounds like you were like on the periphery. I was. I was. Um, and uh, I was studying political science. Oh, I was going to go, and I had an, like total left field. Yeah, I did an internship in the legislature. Oh wow! Uh, and was looking to get a job, and basically pa Governor Pataki was asking everyone to cut back. So the chief of staff of the assemblyman who I worked for, um, he the, she basically said, "I don't think we're going to have anything for you in the fall." Like mm -hmm. you know, by the time this is all over. So I graduated. I had absolutely, I'm not making this up. I had maybe $75 in my checking out and that was it. Oh, wow. And I had an 83 Toyota Tercel hatchback nice. that I bought for $800, which lasted 11 years. <laughs> so fantastic. quality car. I had no money. I was working at Chi Chi's, if you remember, <laughs> yes. uh, a Mexican food chain. Uh, I figured if I'm going to be an actor or try this, I better learn how to waiter. Uh, <laughs> and I also did, was a convenience store clerk. I, and then eventually I started making some money. My girlfriend at the time was living back in Long Island. Uh -huh. um, and we broke up because I knew I was going to move. So I talked to my brother and one of my sisters. One was in Washington. One was in Atlanta. And I said, why don't you come down here? And I said, my friends in Summerstock, who I'm referring to, many of them were from SUNY Albany. Uh, Darren Goldstein, um, uh, Brendan Gallagher, Dion Flynn. We all did Biloxi Blues together. I played Epstein. I lost 20 pounds for it. Oh my! God. That's how committed I, I was. Oh yeah, I totally went in for the De Niro esque. 
become the person. Yes. I loved it. I that was my fun, you know. Um, and I probably didn't have the best technique as far as being on stage because I had learned about acting mostly from film. Right. Uh, but I got better. I was just a person who's like, I'm just going to do it. And I can't afford grad school. Um, you know, unless someone gives me a full scholarship. Right. I don't know if I want to do this the rest of my life, but I want to try it. So where can I try it? If I go to New York, I'm going to be starving in the most expensive city in the world or <laughs> yes. second. And Ooh. I don't have much on my resume. Um, so I went down here and my friends all went to New York. Some of them went to NYU. And uh, my brother invited me down. I was going to go to Washington, but my sister said, I'm moving. So mm -hmm. that so then it narrowed it down to Atlanta. And then my sister Amy came down here to work on the Olympics. So both of them were here. There was a lot of non-union theater or non-union jobs. Mm -hmm. It was a perfect place for me to kind of develop. Um, and I can still remember saying Jody Feldman, who's the casting director of the Alliance, she goes, so tell me about yourself. Why did you, you come down here? I said, well, I want to basically build my resume so I can go back up to New York. And I'm sure she, <laughs> she was so nice and gracious, but I'm sure in the back of her mind, she's like, oh, yeah, well, thanks for us being what your stepping stone. Jerk. What a cocky 22, 23-year-old boy. That's she hilarious. Goes, and but well, I mean, I'll say this: fourteen years later, they finally hired. Me, so. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, and she's wonderful. Uh, I was, yeah, I just didn't know what I was saying. I'm curious. At what point did you like? So obviously, there was the acting theater aspect of your life, and then the political science aspect of your life. At which point did it? You know, what fork in the road did you decide to go down acting and not political science? Um. You know, basically, I, I look back on, you know, that I'm older now, unfortunately, but um, <laughs> I look back and I think I was waiting for the world to tell me. Okay. I'm not proud of that, um, but I think in some ways I never, like Dion said, and Dion's like, I hope I didn't offend you by that. I'm like, no, not at all. I just wasn't sure what I wanted to commit to for the rest of my life. I knew I wanted to try acting. Mm -hmm. I knew that I loved doing it. I had some reservations about it. I also had no connections in the business, um, which is, I mean, yeah. crucial. Um, so I think pretty much when I didn't get that job yeah. as uh, working at the assembly, I also got to learn how politics is on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. Um, it's really not exciting at all. I'm sure. Um, and there are a lot of things that I learned and saw, and I just was like, I don't know if this is for me. Um, and my, I just got always got encouragement from other people as an actor, which, you know, it's funny, you know, I, I look back and I go like a lot of people were just very like, I think you're really good, supportive. And I felt like their encouragement gave me direction. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't say just confidence, but like the sense of direction. And I loved films. I used to go see 60 films a year in the theater. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... I remember particularly I had seen Marlon Brando, even though he's a classic example, in one of his less notable roles, it was in The Freshman. I heard about this legend and later then I saw Apocalypse Now and On the Waterfront. Yeah, yeah. But I remember looking up at the screen and feeling both excited and scared after I saw it because he was so effortless. And a word that I'm going to steal from a guy named David Croton, seamless. Mm. I couldn't see the work at all. And he just inhabited, and the choices were so spontaneous and so alive. I was like, I don't know if I could. And again, it's not one of his most, no, but he he was just on a different plane. plane of existence. And I just remember getting scared, like going, God, I could never be that like good. Super intimidated yeah. by, by watching that. Super yeah. intimidated, just blown away at how effortless it was. And how, again, like I'd seen great actors before, like Dustin Hoffman, Robert Duvall, Shirley MacLaine, Meryl Streep, of course. Yeah, yeah all the all great actors. Uh, you know, I could, I can, I'm a nerd with actors. So it's like I could talk about Denzel, I could talk about yeah. um, um, Kelty Williams. I mean, there's just too many to name. But I realized that I, it was kind of like an admission to myself. Like I'm devoting a lot more energy and time than I, uh, politics, I, I just don't know if I have the, Maybe I can say, I think I kind of felt like, I feel like I can say more by acting than I could ever accomplish politically. Okay. Yeah. It's like giving yourself a voice. Yeah. I mean, like you talk about critical moments. I, I look back now. It's like giving myself a voice to interpret people the way I see them. Mm -hmm. um, 
I'm a huge, I think probably one of the big influences that I can remember is when I saw Taxi Driver late at night on HBO. My mom was out of town. <laughs> um, and it was, of course, on the TV. So I'm sure Scorsese wouldn't be happy that I, but I, I saw that and it changed the way I saw film. I had never seen film. I never seen the camera move like that in my limited experience. I think I was 15 or 16. Um, and it, he's also a Catholic mm -hmm. and he's also from New York. And so there was a lot of things that I didn't realize that were embedded in his storytelling that were very much spoke to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that this is a guy who is insane yet in some way he's trying to be the most heroic and noble person in the entire city. Um, but he also has a, you know, uh, dangerous streak. Mm -hmm. um, I, and it's very, it's very Catholic, you know, it's like the martyrdom yeah. uh, and all those things. So those were pivotal things that helped push me along the way. And when I started getting more work down here, oh my God, I'd be so frightened if my son did what I did. <laughs> I just moved to a city. Luckily, my brother was here, but he moved five years later. Amy moved like seven years later. She's in Colorado now. And uh I just was, like I said, all of a sudden I was temping at Coca-Cola and, uh, which I'm grateful another actor gave me that tip. And I was in and out of there on 18 month contracts for probably seven, eight years. Yeah, yeah. I even stayed longer than I legally was supposed to. <laughs> and the legal department's like, you either have to offer this guy a job or get rid of him. Right. But I said, I, I want to full-time act and I think I can do it. And I just started, people asked me, I'm like, man, I, I did everything from a couple improv companies. I did improv shows. I would teach improv workshops to like law firms and corporations, oh, wow, yeah. the benefits of improv for your team building kind of thing. I did commercials. I did corporate films. I did audio books. I did TV. I did film because TV and film was in the South, but it was not as popular in Atlanta as it was, as it is now. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my first few films, I was in New Orleans Okay. That's where it was the first bust. And then Katrina hit and that slowed things down. Yeah. And my first uh, television or film booking that I can recall was the Elvis miniseries on CBS mm -hmm. um, where I had a named character. Yeah. I was George Klein, one of his friends. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, that, that was the beginning of like, I could make a living at this. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so actually leading into that, um, so we, talked a lot about your theater background um, and then you, you came to Atlanta and started doing more theater. Is that how you got your agent was through theater? Most the agents that I know, uh, there's a few exceptions, uh -huh. don't really attend theater okay. or they only attend a theater of their established talent, which seems right now uh, Virginia's getting harassed by Griffin. <laughs> He's got his nose in her face. Literally trying Literally in my face. Yeah. <laughs> no manners. Um, so, I I did as much theater as I possibly could. I was doing this like five shows a year mm -hmm. uh, at a lot of theaters down here. I got my equity card. You know, I, I just kept submitting resumes. Uh, and I think Brenda got me and she eventually got acquired by People Store. I got like just from recommendations from actors That's or cool. meeting them and just going back and giving a resume. Mm -hmm. And I think a couple people got me in my first real agency was Genesis uh -huh. <laughs> and then they folded okay. and I had went with Brenda Pauly for film because I had booked a couple, couple small things through Genesis. Uh, and then I also went to Houghton for commercials Gotcha. and Misty took me because again, they knew someone who knew me and they saw my resume. It's like, okay, this guy's professional. Right. You know, uh, he's done some shows. So was it through your agents that you started doing film and television? Yes. Okay. I, there was no, I, I did a couple independent things. Uh -huh. uh, most that never saw the light of day or went right to DVD right. through recommendations from people. Uh, yeah, it was, it wasn't until I got them that I got film and TV. And how was that transition for you from theater to film and TV? Cause I know, cause I start, you know, my background's theater as well. Yeah. And I feel like it was a very bizarre world shift going into film and TV. It is. Um, you're, if you think there's typecasting <laughs> in theater, trust me, it is even a narrow window for you, especially starting out. You're not going to get to get the range of roles you want. They'll look at you want, they literally, you have to keep in mind when they come down, when productions come here, 90, 80 to 90% of it is already cast through mm -hmm. LA and New York talent. 
people who have established agencies, pub, they're all in that network. We're not. So we're more often than not getting a day player or a couple week, you know, weekly. Um, they want to see you walk in the room and be that person. Yeah. They don't want to hear about your technique. They don't care. Right. They don't. They have not seen you in theater. They have not seen a lot of your work. So they're just like, I don't know if I can trust this person. They might walk into the lights. You know, <laughs> that's the feeling I've gotten, even from sometimes. Stupid southern actors. Yeah, especially from well, when I, I've been definitely on a couple's. I've been treated differently once they found out I was local. Oh. And sometimes by local crew people. Oh, they're just wow. like, oh well, you're not. You're local. Yeah. I literally went from having my own uh, trailer room to being put in the honey wagon once they found out I was local because oh, wow. I was a named character in this film. And so they thought like, so what about, and they asked me I'm like, no, I have a house here. You're local. <laughs> oh, wow. And they seemed shocked that I was even in the park. Right. So um, the transition for me was I had to really learn like the camera. It's like, it's like when you're in theater and you have to know the space, uh -huh. you've got to know where the camera is, what's going on. Because it, if you have one false move, the camera catches it. And it's, you know, going back to Brando, one thing he said in his the book that I read that he was part of, not the unauthorized biography, his biography um, that he wrote was that, you know, he learned that spontaneity is the most important thing on film. Okay. That's when he started wearing his ear prompter and not memorizing his lines. And he said, you know, people, you know, say that, but I would memorize my lines. I'd get the set and they'd be changed. Yeah. And he said, I learned on a film called, I think it was called The Men. I could be getting that wrong. But he said he watched it and he was so rehearsed that it's a, an expression that they call don't leave the fight in the gym. In other words, don't put your performance all in the practicing of it. Right, of leave room for it. Um, and so he left the fight in the gym and he didn't like that performance at all. Um, and I think that's it. It's like just freeing myself to be spontaneous and not be measured and calibrated and whereas in theater you have you get away with that more if it's a bigger space you have to yeah um because it's so much more about physical movement i mean film is all about where the camera is and it totally dictates your performance mm -hmm. um you don't get to one of the people i i look john cassavetti's talked about he goes you know he didn't like film acting because it was completely devoid of creative movement and he goes even if i wanted to move they would tell no you're going to mess up the lighting so when he started directing, one of the reasons he did the handheld, one was because of money. Mm -hmm. But two, it's like he wanted the actors to block their own scenes by moving in the space uh -huh. and have the camera follow them. Yeah, it's true because like movement for me has a, plays a lot into like how my character comes out, right? Because yeah. like your physicality has a lot to do with your mental space. I know it's weird like a weird absolutely thing to say out loud but like it but makes a lot of sense to me you know as somebody who wants to i don't know embody a character you're literally using your body <laughs> well yeah that's why some film actors like you see them and you're like there's not much going on there but then when you watch on camera mm -hmm. it looks different mm -hmm. um i've even found myself when i was auditioning i'd look back at my auditions and i would have this way of almost moving my body, even though it was standing still and I had to stand still for, I would have these movements that I would, that would kind of anchor. And I'm like, I got to stop moving my head like that. I've got to stop moving my shoulder like that. Yeah. I got to, I've got to pull back, mm -hmm. um, and just take my time. Um, and you know, I, I never know exactly why I get the roles I do. I also don't know, you know, I'll think I'm perfect for something and not get it, yep. but it's a very just let the camera do the work and then find it and just try to try your best to just listen. And, and, you know, you, they always say less, but yeah, it's take your time. Um, I, I had a teacher who said like, uh, she said, slower is safer slower on is film, safer. I like slower that, yeah. is safer on film. And, you know, if you look like, again, you looked, if you try to do, I mean, and also we're so used to theater with pacing. Oh yeah. You have to stop yourself. Yeah. Um, because as one, another acting teacher said to me, he said, you know, act film acting is a lot about the thoughts. It's about the process. And he had seen a famous actor who he said when he saw him on film, he was blown away, but he didn't realize he had seen him two years earlier in a, in a play in New York. And he remember not thinking much of it. Huh, <laughs> um, interesting. 
Yeah, and he's like, I didn't think much of him on stage. Thought he was okay, but he goes on film. When mm-hmm. I saw, it, I was like, who is that guy's amazing? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a preference? Honestly, this is like my least favorite question that people ask me, but I'm asking you anyways. Do you have a preference between theater and film or camera acting? Oh, ah. Uh... I don't know. Here's the truth. Okay, well, let's put it this way. I'm biased for theater because I get better roles. I get big, meaty, leading roles in theater. In film, I tend to play supporting people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like there's films where, you know, like I think I ended up in one scene in Anchorman 2 for like seven se- <laughs> 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. I, there was a couple other scenes, but they got cut. Um, but... It, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I don't get the meaty roles. Um, I feel so much more in command with theater because you rehearse and then they let you go. Mm-hmm. With film, you've got people moving around you. You got your camera. You got it's it's its own thing. And um, honestly, being on that Adult Swim show is the best training because just getting in front of the camera every day, mm-hmm. even though we only shoot like twelve episodes a season, I'm only like an seven or eight a season. Uh, it's just the best training because you're, you get so accustomed to right. just, you know, knowing what works and what doesn't work. It's like, you know, that I, I would love to do more and more film because um, plus it, I've always enjoyed, I've moved a lot in my life. Mm-hmm. And I realized one of the things I think drew me to acting is it's an intense involvement for like, you know, for theater, it's like eight or nine weeks. Cause I mostly do regional theater. I've never done in New York where there are runs that go for two years. Right. Um, eight or nine weeks and then you're gone and you're on to something else. Right. And I really like that aspect or film. Like I work on it two weeks and I'm gone and mm-hmm. I don't see anybody again. <laughs> um, but it's like, I, I just, gaffer. it's damn. Gaffer. Yeah. Gaffer. And, and of course you, you make much more money, um, which is nice. Uh, but it's one of those things that I would definitely want to do more film mm-hmm. and television. Um, it's great. Our set on YPF is so much fun. It's like no other. We're just all relaxed. Mm-hmm. It's not tense. It's not like some sets you get there and you're very you, status is very important right away. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is just more. We're very casual and we have fun and we improvise a lot. The directors and creators allow us to. Um, so yeah, I I think I want to move towards more film and television uh, because theater requires more time and I have a son. Yeah. Um, and I've done a lot in theater, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I probably feel a little more bigger comfort zone with theater, okay. believe it or not. Yeah. One of the things about theater that I like is people are like, where are you training? I, I, every time in Atlanta when I've had, I've gotten like someone, I end up booking something where I can't be at half the classes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's typically theater because theater will take away your nights. Um, and, but I said, I always feel like theater is my training, like going in. I usually I'm at the point now where because I'm equity and I'm older and I have a son and I only do two shows a year. Three would be a lot because um, uh, in this town, like there is a limited number of equity contracts. There's yes. only like six theaters that offer them. Um, maybe there's a guest artist somewhere in there. But uh, it, 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 theater, I feel like doing that for eight weeks is my training. Yeah, it's my way of honing those skills of active listening spontaneity um you know it is its own animal you know but it's definitely the thing that keeps keeps those skills sharp for me because being thrown on set but you know with very little time sometimes i've been on sets where i don't even meet the director i just talk to the ad because i'm there for two or three days right um and I've also been on sets where I get one set of direction from the AD and then the director comes over and gives me a different set of direction. Right. And I'm like, what do I do here? Um, I'll split it down the middle. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I once this, we were doing this film. I don't know if I should say that. I don't think it's a disparaging story, but uh, the, the lead, we, the director comes over, says something to me and the camera, and we're doing this shot. And I, I just like lean to her and I go, sorry what are we doing she goes i don't know <laughs> she just goes i don't know and she probably and the way she answered uh she was always very friendly and an incredibly generous performer she was wonderful to work with but i could tell from that moment like she's been going through something to today she's a little frustrated she the whole film was on her like oh, she wow. was in every scene Dang. and she carried it beautifully but I'm just like unbelievable. So I just, so he goes action, and we just start walking, 
And I'm like, so I just, and then we did it. He's like, that was great. And I'm like, I just, she grinned. Thank God, because yeah. we didn't know what we were doing. She grinned at me and I was like, I guess we got it right. <laughs> and uh, after that, we, we joked around a little bit about it. Um, but I've had that where like, you know, I did a, a, a commercial and the star of the commercial came up to me and he goes, uh, hey, after I say this line, I want you to jump up and dance. I'm like, this is a famous athlete. And I'm like, I said, when you, I said, when you do something, when you ad lib or improvise, they love it. If I do it, they're going to get mad. Like he's the star. I'm just the supporting guy in this commercial. And he, the guy looks at me and he goes, Hey, it's my damn commercial. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, okay. So he did it and I started dancing and then he just started making fun of me. Um, but I'm like, yeah, I'm well aware that I don't want to be the person to mess it all up. Right. Because they were waiting. There are some, there are some people, unfortunately, who are just waiting. And go, oh, these local actors. I know. I know a lighting guy. He owns his own truck. He's worked on dozens of stuff, and he'll tell people he's. He doesn't tell people he's from here. Oh wow! Because he goes, they they start to treat. Sometimes I've been there, and they start treating me differently. Uh, and I'm like, and sometimes it's not even like I said. It's not the people from LA. It's local, people, local people who treat you differently yeah. and think it's okay to treat you differently. Yeah. Um, and I've I've seen it, and usually those people don't. Eventually, they screw up yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and don't work anymore. Um, yeah, film is 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 fun, and uh, it's definitely one of those things that you know. It's nice to have something permanent. Yeah. You know? Yes. Because most of my big performances, where I was the lead and I'm on stage, my parents never got to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of my family doesn't get to see. And you know, I'll tell people I'm an actor, and they look at me like I'm lying. Oh, <laughs> What have you been in yeah. that I've seen? That question. I've seen. And I'm like, I don't know what you've seen, first of all. Second of all, <laughs> go somewhere else. <laughs> um, yeah, there's that. And there's also the, the fear of like, I've also said, like told my friend, and they're like, hey, it's the guy from uh, I, Tanya. You remember her lawyer? Like they'll, oh. my, my family or people I know. Do, so, and they'll ask me questions about stars. And then the people want to ask me questions. I'm like, yes, I met Will Ferrell. He's very nice. Yeah. All right. Now we're going to ask the meaty question. Okay. As the dog's trying to like, lick God, your face. You guys are codependent. You're they really both are. both messes. I'll tell you. Okay, Dan. Okay. What is your biggest fear? Wow. Can I... Can I give you a top 12? Because <laughs> I've, I've got so much fear. And I'm so scared. Aren't we all so insecure? Uh, um, no, I would like a top one. I think I want to say, let's explore a, a personal fear as opposed mm-hmm. to a fear of the direction of the country or a fear of, <laughs> you know, the kind of world we're going towards. Uh, <sighs> or or the fears I have for my son inheriting uh, all these uh, issues. Um, my, I think, you know, when you said that to me, I realize one of my great fears, I think, is feeling dependent on others. Okay. I I don't like that. I I'm a kind of independent person. Um, even though I come from a family of five, I've uh-huh. always lived with people. I always had roommates until a couple, you know, a few years ago. Um, you're now in my palatial mansion here in uh, East Atlanta. It's huge. It's uh, a huge East Atlanta. Well, <laughs> yeah. Wait till you see the Olympic-sized pool. I've never shown you. Um, and um, yeah, I think being feeling like the need to be dependent. Uh, I don't like debt. Mm-hmm. I'm a, um, the feeling like I'm going to have to rely on others mm-hmm. to get by. Um, is and maybe it comes from being an actor and hustling and having no money out of college and not wanting to ask anyone in my family for money because I, you know, I'm I'm the youngest. So there's a little chip on my shoulder when it comes to, I realized this when I got older, like there's a kind of, I don't like feeling like I need anybody, you know, like uh-huh. I need their guidance or help or money uh-huh. or, you know, it's a, I think it's a little youngest chip on the shoulder thing. Were you coddled as a child? Like, did you get a lot of help or like, okay. you know, maybe your siblings were like, oh, Dan's little, we'll do it for him. That kind of stuff. Um I think they did baby me a little bit. Now I'm going to tell you something and I don't think this is accurate, but my sisters insist that my mom loved the two boys the most. (laughs) And they, every time they would say something about us, which I don't think is true. She loves my sisters just as much and praises them just as much. They call they nicknamed my brother and I, um, the baby Jesus and Prince of peace. (laughs) 
because they said my mom's so in in, in love with us. That's hilarious. Were you the, both the I was, youngest? I, and this became a point of contention. No, my brother's the oldest. Oh, okay. So okay. obviously I have to be the baby Jesus. Right. Uh, but then they're like, no, Jim's the baby. And then one of uh, my brother-in-law, uh, Jesse, was arguing with my sister Amy just recently. She goes, no, D's baby Jesus. She goes, no, D is, D is Prince of Peace. Uh, Jim is baby Jesus. So it became a debate about the, so we have to go back to it's a current debate, which is current fantastic. Debate. Yeah. Um, it's probably going to be on CNN any day now with some pundits, but uh, it was a pretty funny thing, but they insist that, but uh, yeah, I think they did. And I was kind of, I, as I got older, I saw it more where it's like, Oh, I should be doing this for myself. And I'm very aware of it, aware of it with Henry oh, where it's yeah. like, you know, we're going to do this or no, you're going to do this. You're going to start making your lunch. Um, he's like, where are they? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Cause he's used to me doing it all the time. Right. Um, you know, I mean my, I think I had two chores, uh, but, but besides mowing the lawn, I also had to empty the garbages, empty the garbages every day. And I would forget. And my mom's like, you have one thing and you can't remember to take out the garbage. <laughs> I'm like, I was busy. I'm like, you know, I'm busy doing what I had homework. Like yeah, since you got home, you can't take 10 minutes. Yep. Um, uh, but as we were growing up, little side fact, I was not allowed to watch television Monday through uh, Thursday night. Okay. So only television on the weekends, Friday night to even Sunday night. Like it was, yeah, no television after eight o'clock. Wow. So I, I'm grateful for that. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm glad because I probably waste a lot of time. So there yeah. were shows that people are like, well, you were watching that when you grew up. I'm like, I was on Wednesday nights. I couldn't see Good it. Good one, that one. Wasn't allowed to watch <laughs> like, Three's Company. And, oh, yeah. you know, my mom was like, no, it's too adult. You know. You know. I think that's totally fair. Um, yeah, so. Um, Being dependent on others. That's what. And strangely enough, I did a one-man show called Independent. <laughs> it was not about me it was about john cassavetes the oh, okay. uh, uh, you know and um you know it's just funny because like there were just similarities there that i never saw obviously i have not a, i don't have his list of accomplishments um but there's a lot of similarities there mm -hmm. uh that i found uh suhaila elatar who was helping us develop the script i said the funny thing about you know Cassavetes is everyone thought he was so intense and he was incredibly passionate and intense, but he was also incredibly goofy and awkward. And, you know, so Hyla goes, wow, if we could only find an actor who could pull that off. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, I, oh, I get, I get it. But I've gotten those words to describe me that I'm incredibly intense. Mm -hmm. um, and then people are like, he's a goofball. He's a, you know, he's a dad, you know, That's so interesting. It is interesting. It's weird. It's an interesting, like, just, dichotomy it's a i don't know it doesn't usually get paired together yeah um you're a very intense goofball a very intense goofball <laughs> uh and That's it's weird very... because if they turn on the intensity which will get me a job people are like i didn't like that <laughs> they you go back to being goofy guy who i can laugh at and yeah. make fun of and be a buffoon mm -hmm. um we used to improvise a show called scandal at dad's garage and i realized after my third time doing it i'm like we're all in competition to be the dumbest person on stage. <laughs> like that is how you win. It's like, this is how you do scandal. If I can be the dumbest person, I'm going to get the most laughs. Um, and uh, they were wonderful shows, wonderful shows. And so many great improvisers from that company. Uh, I was just lucky to be with them. And uh, yeah, I, I just realized like, this is a competition to be the biggest buffoon. Be yeah. Be stupid. It's the funniest person in the room. So do you have, going back to your, fear of feeling dependent on others do you have has there ever been a time in your life I mean outside of like being a child that you did have to very much rely on someone else um and mm. maybe it kind of sparked this feeling or that is an excellent question that's one I should have prepared for <laughs> uh I I think that the feeling that I couldn't do stuff by myself right like when I was working at the club if I was taught something and I didn't do it right. I felt great shame and anger. Mm -hmm. uh, like, why did you do it that? Or why, you know, like, um, I mean, it's funny when I deal with, see people today talk about sensitivities and stuff like that. I'm like, I, I mean, I had bosses who sweared at me. Oh, wow. I mean, they never physically assaulted me, but they would, they would be like, get your head out of your ass. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they were, I have to say they were right. <laughs> they, uh, you know, they were right. It was just, you know, they, you know, we're lifting like, you know, packets of hard true or 
you know, or all these other manual labor things I would do at the club or somewhere. And, and it's just, yeah, that feeling like I'm letting them down or mm-hmm. I can't do it myself is incredibly, I think th- those days, you know, uh-huh. um, because my parents divorced when I was eight. And again, these are things I realized later about myself. Um, I was in a house of women since I was like eight years old. So my brother went to college seven years ahead. He was the oldest. Right. So it was my grandmother, my mother, and three sisters. Um, so there was this kind of exposure to some things I didn't really get uh-huh. from a male perspective, uh, which I realized later in life. Okay. Uh, where, you know, it's probably in good, in, in good ways and in bad ways. Um, the positive side of that behavior and the, also the negative side of that behavior. But I realized as I went to college and I, you know, always had guy friends and stuff like that. There was just something that was like their dads and stuff, they would do stuff. And I was like, wow, that's weird. It seems kind of <laughs> toxic or it seems kind of like too competitive or oh, too, you know, yeah. yeah, like this is arrogant. This is, you know, like this is, these are the things like I thought people were taught not to do. Uh-huh. You know, I was a, I was a Catholic boy. I went to school every Sunday and I was an altar boy. Mm-hmm. So I bought it. I was full buying on all that Jesus, like, you know, stuff. And all the lessons in the Bible. I mean, I, I think I could have named every book in the Bible when I was in sixth grade. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and so I was like full in. It wasn't until I started working at the club where I couldn't, I had to work Sunday, so I didn't attend church. Okay. Um, as I got older, just, you know, certain things about the Catholic church, obviously. Uh, it just made me move further and further away from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the institution, I should say. Yes. Um, but I think that part of it is, yeah, feeling like, if I can't do it on my own, it, 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 it's, it feels embarrassing. Mm-hmm. I, and I've also had times in my life where I feel like a relationship, not necessarily romantic. It could be friendships too. Like they kind of dragged me down. Okay. Um, or kept me from really growing on my own uh-huh. and doing things. I was like, Oh, I sought to be surrounded by people. I sought to, go to a party as opposed to working on stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to be all in as an actor because I wanted my friends outside of the drama club mm-hmm. and I didn't want to hang out with her, you know? Um, so I've always had that pull kind of, of identity of independence of like, I'm part of this thing, but I'm really my own entity. I mean, even I look at the, the theater I just mentioned 20 years with dads, it's like, I was always the guy from the outside though, who was acting around town. Uh-huh. And not really the all an improviser. Uh-huh. Uh, there was definitely a time where I was almost improvising every weekend. I was, and uh, I became improv director at one point, but it didn't last long because mm-hmm. I <laughs> I wanted to be an independent performer right. who was a gun for hire. Do you uh, put a lot of value on yourself um, in terms of that? Like, I'm trying to. I think I see it as self worth. Yeah, yeah, I define some. I realize I've defined a lot of my self worth that way uh-huh. of kind of being an independent self-employed um, working actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with this pandemic, not having that is, I didn't realize so much later. It's like, Oh, it's no wonder I feel the way I do. Uh, I wasn't engaging in any destructive behavior. Don't worry. Since I lived on okay. the road from okay. you, yeah. <laughs> uh, you would have seen it. Uh, your meth lab to explode. Please. No, thank you. <laughs> no, it's in, it's safe in my Winnebago in the <laughs> desert. Uh, but I, it just made me realize, uh, oh, I don't have my identity because mm-hmm. I'm so used to defining myself by my work. It's either Henry, my son, mm-hmm. my work, and the house and the dogs. Mm-hmm. And so much of that is my constant treadmill mm-hmm. of managing those things that now the treadmill's turned off a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, I don't have that identifying factor about myself. Uh, and yeah, I think you're right. I think I do measure some of my self-worth mm-hmm. and confidence by booking and getting stuff mm-hmm. and, being that guy who visits the set for a week and then it's gone. Yeah. You know, I love that. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't like staying anywhere too long for some reason. And I, w- uh, I wonder how much of that, like, um, I'm going to use the word anxiety that you're feeling mm-hmm. in terms of booking right now also maybe stems from realizing that you can't be fully independent in this. That's right. Um, in this 
career because you do depend on other people to give you to jobs. work. Yes, yeah. exactly. I, I am. I'm constantly asking them to hire me. Yes. People will talk to me about acting and I'll, I'll say to people who aren't actors because I think they have a different view of, I said, it's like being in sales mm. every day. Oh, you're yeah. going out trying to sell yourself mm -hmm. to a commercial um, because they help pay the bills. I mean, I've had, I've had commercials that are difference makers in, in my income. I can you know, commercials, corporate films, all those things. I can do theater because I do TV and film and all those other right. things. I otherwise could never own my own home and, and function. So I think that real, that you and I were just talking this off, off, I can't say off camera, off microphone <laughs> about my yearning to like kind of do something else now. Mm -hmm. And I've been talking about a couple and in industries, but it's funny you say that because now I'm, it's like, I'm trying to take control mm -hmm. By saying, nope, I'm doing something different. If there's not enough production here in Atlanta due to the pandemic or I'm, nope, I'm going to go and do something else. Mm -hmm. And literally probably not see 95% of the people I've seen every year for the last 20 years at auditions, um, at uh, the theater, people I improvise with, people, you know, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. It's kind of like I want a second act, you know? Yeah, for um, sure. In a two act play. Because <laughs> that way, because then you'd be like, "Well, what's the fifth act? Uh, maybe death. I don't Perhaps. know." But, uh, final but the final scene, <laughs> I will have a dramatic monologue prepared at my death for everyone. And I, will, I hope so. And I'll post it on social media. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you're right. That's interesting because I was just talking to you about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you talk to other people about um, this fear of of being dependent? Or do you really just keep that to yourself? Until you asked me that question, you told me, because I listened to this podcast. I listened to Sherry Peterson. Sherry Peterson. Yeah. Um, you asked her that uh, question and she said, I think she said dying alone. Uh-huh. And then I thought my response would be dying before I've had a good meal. <laughs> <laughs> like I was like that, if I don't have to go out with like a good steak, some lasagna, uh, uh, it'll be really bummed. Um, don't want to die on an empty stomach. Uh, I, I just thought about it. And then my friend last night, she asked me, I was like, I don't know. And, and then until you asked me that question, I didn't realize I had that fear. Right. But I've always think I'm thinking more about money these days. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about Henry mm -hmm. and I'm like, God, I've, I've become that adult. And I'm like, I don't like, I can't get out of this. Um, and again, I don't want to make it sound like it's a mental health issue, but I think it's something that is, could be because why do I keep thinking these same things? Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about money again. I'm thinking about this again. Mm -hmm. I don't want to think about that. It's sucking my energy. It's a succubus, yes. you know, it's uh, pulling my attention away. Like enjoy the moment. And I know all these things and I'm sitting there thinking it's like, Oh, it's because I have a fear. There's something I'm not confronting. I think it was Margaret who wrote um, the handmaid's tale, Margaret Atwood. Yes. No. She said, if you're having trouble writing, it's because you're afraid of something. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, wow. That's, isn't that true? Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that was just like, I'm in this thought cycle because I'm afraid that someday I'm going to be dependent on other people. Mm -hmm. I've also uh, seen my father pass away a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And my mom is currently in a, a wonderful assisted living facility. Like it's like a nice hotel. It's like, wow, I want to live here yeah. um, uh, in Colorado Springs. Um, and you know, she's just, she's 80. She's had a long life, a wonderful life, but, you know, seeing her need people and having trouble remembering and seeing that person who's loved you all their life and who brought you into the world mm -hmm. and was always your authority figure and probably cares about you more than anybody else. Right. Seeing that slow, um, dissipation, uh, is really hard. And it, I think it also underneath that is it makes you really feel your own mortality um even more because mm -hmm. here's someone so close to you so great and you're like oh you know yeah i i the thought that henry would have to be doing if i didn't have my brothers and sisters i'd be lost because they have made it working with them has made it so much easier if this was one person dealing with this mm -hmm. i'd be like i'd be a mess mm -hmm. <laughs> for sure so and it's interesting to me that you point this out about your mom because it's uh, you're clearly watching her become more and more and more dependent yes. on other people and I, I it must just be feeding in to your soul right yeah, now. yeah it is uh my dad unfortunately passed he was very 
my body was starting to go, but his mind was still there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of went suddenly, uh, which is exactly what I think he wanted. And I think the last time I had visited him before he passed away, I was able to be there when he, he passed away. Uh, but um, he said to me, he's like, if you have anything to say to me, say it now. <laughs> so I think he oh, knew, wow. and that was yeah. just probably two or three months before. Um, so yeah, it is feeding that a lot. Especially during, uh, like you said, when this these times of isolation. Yes. Um, it, it really is such a weird time to be alive. Um, and then, you know, also feeling like when I run around with Henry in the front yard, it's like, oh, I'm a little more winded than I used to be. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little, got a few more pounds on me. Or like, yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm at a point where I probably can't get much better. <laughs> than, oh. than I, like physically, you know, like yeah. you're like, oh, my... I ran on an uneven surface and now I'm sore for three days. Like what happened? <laughs> when did this start? You so know? age is really playing a part in it as well. Of course. Age, isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, again, being in this kind of atmosphere where you said uh, so well that I'm constantly out there selling myself and then I'm dealing with all these obstacles. And then people are like, well, you got to take from home and you got to make it look good and you got to do this and you got to do that. And, you gotta, and you're jumping through the hoops and you're like, is this really worth it? Mm-hmm. Um, to do this commercial for this product, you know, like, does this really like wake me up in the morning? Uh Like, as opposed to a greater purpose. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had a friend of mine a long time, well, probably about three or four years ago, we had three of us had uh, brunch and she said to me, she goes, do you act for joy anymore? (laughs) It was like, what a question. Yeah. And I was like, wow, do I seem like I'm not happy? And I don't remember saying anything disparaging about anything, but she goes, well, you were, ta- I think I was talking about my schedule and I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, that's why I still do theater. Uh, and yeah, she just said, and I, I, it really kind of brought something into focus where I was like, the hustle was starting to get to me mm-hmm. and it's the kind of being every there whenever they want. And that's just the industry. There's so much money on the line and there's so many decision makers in it that things can be so last minute. Um, and being a father and then I got the dog. So it's like, I got to keep these guys happy. You know, it's like, I took an, I took on more responsibility mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't know. I would, I will tell you this to extend that thought to more recent times. I was at a, I was in a show two wonderful actors, great director. Everything about the situation was perfect for me. I was still going. And all I was thinking like after about an hour, I was like, okay, wonderful. Get out early. I wonder if it, and it's because I've come to this place, just like my mom, who was a big warrior, where I'm constantly thinking of the next thing I have to do. Mm-hmm. And my mind is more filled with, I've got to do this. Oh, and I got to make sure I get this done and get that done. And trying to stop that to like enjoy the moment and these wonderful people that I'm, and I did, we had a great time together, but there was just this feeling of like, I'm not enjoying this and as excited about it as I used to be. Mm-hmm. And it had nothing to do with those people. They were wonderful. It had nothing to do with the theater company. They were very accommodating to my schedule too. It had to do with me. Mm-hmm. So I think to some degree, the joy was getting is has been diminished a little bit because it's more like, great, I booked this. That'll take care of July. Okay, I've got to book this much to get August. And you know, even though I'm saving money and I have a retirement and I'm doing the things that I dreamed I wanted to do is make a living, the actual actions, the actual purpose is not as joyful mm-hmm. or as exciting as it used to be. Like if I, if I had 27 had some of these things, I would have been over the moon. Of course. Yeah. Um, but now there's more things to be, you know, concerned about. Mm-hmm. And they, they kind of like said that word succubus mm-hmm. of your, sometimes your energy and joy. And I have to remind my, the funny thing is I teach a workshop where it's like how to stay in the moment. <laughs> and I tell people, I said, I'm giving you these exercises to awaken you into the moment, I by no means have mastered this. It's something, it's a, it's like going to the gym. This will react, this will activate your active listening. This will make you feel more spontaneous. Cause everyone's like, I'm not funny. I'm like, you're funnier than you probably know, mm-hmm. but this isn't to make you funny. It's to make you spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's funny that I, I'm teaching it <laughs> and it's like, I struggle with it too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's curious to me, uh, cause this, this feels like, like a weird full circle thing where you talk about your fear is that um, you are worried about being dependent on Mm -hmm. others. And 
yet you've come and like you've put all of these dependents on yourself so it's like yeah not only are you <laughs> if i knew there were going to be this many revelations about my <laughs> life i never would have agreed to this interview you're welcome despite this great coffee i would yeah i'm not ready for this kind of self-evaluation <laughs> yeah. but it just seems so interesting to me um because yeah i mean that's like one of the things that i often talk about with guests is just how um much we function within our fears mm -hmm. you know what i mean and so, and and sometimes that means that we're afraid of something so we kind of put it on ourselves to be unafraid of it if that makes any sense that's like, very like, true no that's like you know you're like i will be independent but I will also make sure that all of these things are dependent upon me. <laughs> well, again, I think it goes back to that time where you said um, the feeling like I'm letting someone down, mm -hmm. especially for the youngest child when you have older siblings that you look up to mm -hmm. that, that are actually responsible for raising you just as much as the parents. Because I remember when they would correct me mm -hmm. or tell me I did something wrong or you know punish me. Um, I remember when I had a kid say something to me in my driveway uh, and he was a friend, but he said something, he's like, I said, why don't you shut up? And he's like, make me shut up. And he pushed me and I came back and I broke, I, I gave him a solid punch right in the face. Oh my gosh. I, I mean, and I landed, his nose started bleeding. He went down and my sisters were yelling at me. And I was like, <laughs> I was right. He pushed me. He told me to shut up. He was insulting me. You know, I was probably like 10 or 11. <laughs> but they were mad at me. So it's that feeling of like feeling bad or doing something wrong mm -hmm. uh, when you have people dependent. When I was that brief stint as improv director, it, I had to let someone, I had to suspend someone for bad behavior. And I swear I couldn't believe it because I knew he was wrong. Yep. There was no question that it had to be done. And I knew I was doing the right thing, yet it still kept me up at night. Yeah. Because I so, hated yeah. doing it. Um, and he, he was also a sort of a friend and, mm -hmm. You know, that year and a half where there would be people, they're disappointed they're not in the uh, this ensemble. And you're like, I'm abiding by the rules that I set forth. And I'm sorry, but they would act like I was personally letting them down or hurting them. When I'm like, I don't have control over that. Mm -hmm. And no matter what my explanation was, was like, I don't like being this guy. Um, and so I think it stems from that mm -hmm. a lot. Uh, is that I don't want to let my son down. I'll go to the dog park with the dogs, even though I don't know if I feel I have the time because I know it's so good for them, you know. Yeah. Or, um, you know, it's the, those things. Yeah. I get those it. pressures. I get it. Yep. Um, yeah. I hope I'm not letting you down in this interview. This, I'm yeah. very upset. See, if my enemies Hopefully. hear this, they're going to play into this. And so, yeah, right. <laughs> all, of, all of your all enemies. All of my enemies. If y'all listen yeah. and let your tell your friends to listen, that yeah. would be great. If my enemies are listening, thank you for subscribing to this thank podcast. Thank you for subscribing. <laughs> no, I don't think so I don't funny. think I have any enemies that I'm aware of, but that you're aware of. That I'm aware. Yeah, I think. Yeah, obviously, if I was aware of them, then I would know that. Mm -hmm. happened, but um, those the, the dead birds on your stoop aren't. No, they, that's not a signal from my okay. friends and organized crime. Yeah, Just kidding. There aren't dead birds. It's to stoop. ward off evil spirits. <laughs> I practice all sorts of voodoo and witchery. I love it. I don't know if witchery is a word, but yes. Okay, good. It's a good word too. Okay. <laughs> All right, Dan, I think we're going to wrap up here. Thank you so much for this. Sure. Convo. Do you have um, a social media presence that you would like people to follow? It's so funny. I don't at all. Nice. Okay. So thank you so much, Dan. Mm -hmm. Again, he can be found as Benji on Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell on Adult Swim. And on Hulu. And on Hulu. It's on Hulu, I believe. Um, you can see him in an episode of Stranger Things where he's kind of ridiculous. He's in movies like I, Tanya, Empire State, and Anchorman 2. So check him out. Thanks, Dan, for being here. Thank you so much, Virginia. Dan's fear of being dependent on others is extremely relatable. It is hard to be in a position where you feel perhaps you do not have a lot of power or control. But a few of the interesting things I feel I gleaned from talking with Dan about this is one, the importance of understanding that it's okay to need help sometimes. And two, the importance on focusing on the areas of your life or career that you can control and not feeling hard on yourself about the aspects that you really just can't have control over. After all, you're just 
one person. I'm Virginia, and you've been listening to Fears of No Name Blank. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore Scarlet P. I'd love to hear what y'all think about this fear of dependence, or if there were any bits of wisdom you gleaned from hearing Dan's story. Thank you.